0: Hello, this is Steve Goldsmith, Professor of Urban Affairs at Harvard's Kennedy School, and you're listening to Data Smart City Pod, where we bring on top innovators and experts to discuss the future of cities and how to become data smart. Welcome back to the Kennedy School podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of being with Mayor Eric Johnson, Mayor of Dallas, and the subject today is really leadership, although it's got a large dose of policing. Mayor, mayor Johnson, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Professor Goldsmith. Thanks for having me.
0: Mayor Johnson, Dallas is a city manager, former government, so the mayor's authority is, uh, is limited. You're a high-profile mayor. And I was interested in talking to you today about the role you played in issues related to policing and safety. And I was a former district attorney as well, and this uh, discussion in the U.S. has been defund the police or don't defund the police, support the police or don't support the police. And it feels to me that lacks nuance. So I wanted to start with uh, how you used your leadership position, because Dallas had its own crisis, obviously, with respect to uh, police action shootings. How did you step in and use your leadership? And then I want to talk to you about the details of the results of your task force.
1: I thought it was important that I slow things down, slow down the the discussion and try to center it on the residents of the city and their needs. There was a real push, as you you will recall, um, after the murder of George Floyd, to do something. People felt the need to address racial equity issues, particularly as they relate to policing, and I shared those concerns. And I've been working on uh, issues of uh, police reform for years. I served in the state legislature for a decade before I became the mayor. But what I wanted was to make sure that what we did was not some sort of a knee jerk reaction or a reflex reaction to national movements or uh, you know slogans or hashtags or anything like that. I wanted to make sure that what we did was going to address the the underlying issues um, with respect to policing, but also we're not going to leave our city and our residents less safe. And so, uh, you know, what what we had been dealing with in Dallas uh, long before actually the pandemic and the uptick in violent crime across the country for the past few years, Dallas has seen its crime, violent crime in particular, steadily ticking up. Uh, it was happening before I became the mayor. And uh, it's, it started to accelerate during the pandemic. So I wanted to make sure that we did things that were responsible. And so what I wanted to do and what we did was we brought together a group of folks in our community who really wanted to solve problems and not just uh, make noise. And I put them into a task force that came up with some approaches to addressing violent crime in our city that were non-law enforcement related. So they were, these were outside the police department. And then I asked the, the uh, police department to work on law enforcement based um, solutions to violent crime. And we kind of worked it on two tracks. And it's been uh, it's been good. It's moving things in the right direction in our city. And so I had to push back a little bit during our last budget cycle on some folks who wanted to kind of go down that defund path. And we can talk about that and how I dealt with that. But I'm happy with where the city is and how we uh, weathered that. But it, it, it took a lot of a lot of work.
0: So one could think about this conversation as a defund conversation. The other way to think about the conversation is augmenting the police budget with interventions that aid young adults. And so I was interested in your task force recommendations on both addressing blight and programs for juveniles in certain areas of the city. And I think that one of those uh, suggestions was called violence interrupters. I thought that was just a great phrase. Would you tell us about the violence interrupters, please?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, I can't take credit for these ideas personally. uh, The the task force was given instruction by me to look around the country at what's actually worked and then get the data and then figure out whether or not it would work here. If we thought that they would work here, I would recommend them to the full city council um, and to our city manager for implementation and funding in our budget. And so they undertook a process that lasted several months. And what they came back with was four main recommendations. Violence interrupters was one of them. It's a concept that's been tested in other places. And it's shown to actually reduce violence in communities by taking trusted community members, people who have some experience living in those communities and even have you know been on the wrong side of the law, frankly, but who have credibility, to help diffuse interactions before they become violent because they have their ear on the ground and they know the people involved and you know what we know from looking at this is that most of these crimes are being committed in certain communities in our city are, are not stranger crimes that these are people who know each other these are conflicts that you know have been brewing and they turn into something violence interrupters do exactly what the title will suggest. They interrupt that cycle of violence by getting folks to to dial it down and, and resolve some of these differences before they turn fatal. In addition to the violence interrupters, the task force found that having some social, emotional, educational component in your school system to help children learn to resolve their feelings of anger without resorting to violence, and combining that with addressing some of the issues that drive violent crime in pockets of your community, which will be areas that maybe are disproportionately blighted. They found data that shows that blighted areas tend to become havens for violence and poorly lit areas as well. So we ended up getting $5 million put into our budget to put into lighting and blight remediation. And our school system decided to put in money into social emotional learning And so that's what the task force recommended. And so we're very optimistic about that. And so that's the non-law enforcement part of dealing with our violent crime problem.
0: Mayor, let me ask you, I think it's a great list. Let me ask you a few questions about how you led, right? In In the following sense, as I watch these things across the country, it seems to me it's not the mayor's job just to say things that everybody wants to hear, right? It's the mayor's job to lead, being respectful to democratic process. So when you heard these voices on one side, defund the police and voices on the other side saying, defend the police, period, right? How did you exercise your leadership? What forms did you use? How did you amplify your personal voice?
1: I really appreciate that question because it was not easy, that is for sure. It it is far easier to sort of pick a side, so to speak, in these these types of disagreements and uh, become the champion of one side or the other.
0: At least then only half of the people are mad at you. The way you're about to say it, all the people could be mad at you.
1: Yeah, it's, there's some definitely some risk in there that you uh, end up not being anyone's champion. But at the end of the day, I decided that I wanted to be on the side of the residents of the city and I wanted to do what I thought was right for them. And so my leadership approach here was just to stand on principle. And my my starting principle was Dallas can't succeed as a city if it's not safe, that it's a fundamental responsibility of a city government to provide public safety. And I got broad buy-in for that concept. And then my, my next step was, well, if public safety is our top priority, then we can't do things that don't actually contribute to public safety, no matter how good they may make us feel. And that was a message to both sides to say, so what does that mean to the reform community? To the reform community, it means we're not going to do things that are going to make people fundamentally less safe, like slash our police overtime budget when we are short-staffed on police officers. And we're going to need to, in fact, add to our police department. We've lost hundreds of officers over the past few years due to a police pension crisis, and we need to get to a, a level of manpower that can actually adequately address the crime in the city. That's not what reformers wanted to hear at the time. They definitely didn't want to hear that you were talking about adding officers. They wanted to cut the police department, in some cases by a pretty drastic amount. So I, I had to hold my ground there. But I also had to make it clear to folks who are what people would describe as the other side, you know, the, I guess the back the blue side, is that we can't say that the police department doesn't need any improvements. We can't say that the activist community is making up the fact that we could do a better job in community policing and that there needs to be some investments in training of our officers. We need to actually recruit more talented officers. We, we don't want policing in our city, and I don't think anybody in the country, if they really think about it, should want policing to become a vocation of last resort. We don't want people becoming police officers who don't feel like they can't do anything else. We want people becoming police officers who could do anything else they wanted and view this as a high calling that's appreciated and it's compensated appropriately. So I'm pushing for and was pushing for then and actually I'm hopeful that we're going to be successful in this budget cycle and actually paying our officers more money who are on the police force now to help retain them. So that was you know something I had to be a pretty adamant about in the last budget cycle. And unfortunately, the city council and the city managers' proposed budget that they ended up approving did not include those pay increases, but I'm hopeful this time that they will. So the principle I stood on basically was, uh, we got to put public safety first because that's our our number one responsibility. And I think people have actually come around in that year since I took that stand to to agree with me. And uh, I think our violent crime numbers are starting to move in the right direction. We've got a new police chief who actually shares, I think, my commitment to these things. And things are looking good in Dallas. That things are looking bright.
0: You know, after spending years as a district attorney, I saw terrific police officers and I saw some that weren't so terrific. Right. And I think your comment is really interesting, right? You want folks to become officers who are talented, right, who can use their sensitivity and their intelligence to diffuse a situation, who don't have to resort to only one response, which is uh, physical force. Mayor, we're about out of time, but as you look out, it's been a really, really problematic year for violence across the country both in terms of, well, in terms of COVID, in terms of folks who lost their jobs, in terms of disparity in income and, and uh, defund the police. If you look at today at Dallas and you look forward two years, what do you see? What vectors do you see? What do you predict is the future of Dallas?
1: Well, I'm obviously you know very optimistic about, about my city's prospects and our future, but I can tell you it's, it's not an optimism that's not rooted in any facts. Of the major cities in Texas, Dallas is seeing a decline in the rate of violent crime, and particularly with homicides, things are starting to actually move in the right direction. So I think that what we are seeing in Dallas is a result of a new police chief who has a violent crime reduction plan, which is something I, I ask for. And I would encourage other cities that are experiencing violent crime, if you don't have a written plan to reduce violent crime, you should seriously consider adopting one it was something that i asked our last police chief for it wasn't taken all that seriously the new police chief that we hired is taking it very seriously brought on phd's in criminology from the university of texas at san antonio to help design a plan that is really based on hotspot policing and a real focus on places and behaviors that drive violent crime it's it's based on data and science and it's showing early signs of success. I recommend everybody take a look at doing that. I'm optimistic about that. I'm optimistic about the mayor's task force on safe communities that you referenced before, and those non-law enforcement-based strategies which are starting to kick in. The violence interrupters are hitting the streets, and blight remediation aspects of our plan are being implemented. We've remediated thousands of properties. All these things make me think that we are going to see our violent crime continue to fall, Dallas continue to move up the list of safe, large cities in the United States, which is good for everybody. So um, that, uh, that's what I'm optimistic about.
0: Uh, this is Steve Goldson from Harvard Kennedy School with Mayor Eric Johnson of Dallas on leadership and safety. Thank you so much for your time today, Mayor.
1: Thank you, Professor Mayor.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. If you like this podcast, please visit us at DatasmartCities.org or follow us at DatasmartCities on Twitter. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Betsy Gardner and hosted by me, Steve Goldsmith. We're proud to serve as a central resource for cities interested in the intersection of government, data, and innovation. Thanks for listening.